So, Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. And this is uh, headed up or titled, Blind Bartimaeus Receives His Sight. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Right, so, if you have a Bible with you... um, Have a look at that passage in Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. So this is the passage that uh, Adrian read for us earlier. So Mark 10, verses 46 to 52. It's interesting to compare the story of the ancient Israelites and Joshua coming to the city of Jericho on their way to the Promised Land, ultimately really on their way to Jerusalem, where eventually the Israelites' journey would culminate there, and Jerusalem, the city, would become their their capital, yes, but more importantly, would become sort of the centre of their their life and their worship as God's God's temple was built there. So, so back in the Old Testament, Joshua was leading the people up to Jerusalem ultimately, and they came to Jericho. And it's really interesting to compare the two accounts, the one in the Old Testament and then this one in Mark. Chapter 10, in fact, Matthew and Luke also tell us about it, where Jesus is also on his way to Jerusalem. And in fact, he's nearly there. Jericho's not far. And, they, and, and, and Jesus, like the ancient Israelites, Jesus now approaches with his disciples the city of Jericho. Now, when they get there, all sorts of things happen that should remind us of the Old Testament story of Joshua. Um, so obviously there's a city, you know, they're coming to the same city, the city of Jericho. Did you notice any other things in Mark 10 that sound similar to the Old Testament story? Shouting, yeah. So in the Old Testament story, this is back in Joshua chapter 6, I think it was, um, lots of shouting. Shouting is really important in that chapter because it was when eventually the people shouted on their final trip round the walls, when they shouted, the walls fell and God gave them the victory. Yeah, so we've got Jericho, we've got shouting again uh, here, in, here in Mark's Gospel. Do you know anything else? Do, well, any, any other similarities would you say? Let me give you a clue. Do you know what, you know, we, we say Jesus in English in our translations. Do you know what Jesus' name is in Hebrew? Yeshua, Joshua. So, so actually, Jesus was called in Hebrew Joshua. Uh, Yeshua means God saves. So actually, what we've got is another, even greater Joshua. It's Jesus this time. So that's even more in, in, 
interesting, isn't it? So we've got a new Joshua, Jesus, leading his disciples, coming to the city of Jericho, and then there's all this shouting, but instead of the walls falling this time, what happens? A blind man's sight is restored. So instead of walls falling down and the city being overthrown, kind of like the scales fall off this blind man's eyes and he can see. Now, I think that's important, first of all, because one thing I think, first thing I think we're being told in this story, Mark, is that, look, the God who made Jericho's walls fall over when he saved the Israelites is at work again now, but he's now doing it through Jesus. The same God, this time, brings a new Joshua, Jesus Christ, to Jericho, and something just as amazing, arguably even more amazing, I would say, happens this time. You know, you know, we can make walls fall down if we want to, but can we restore someone's sight? That would be impossible for us, but it's not impossible for God. It's not impossible for Jesus. So actually, I think that then gets us to think, not only is God still at work in the world, and not only is he now at work in more, even more amazing ways than before through Jesus, his son, he's also bringing a, a different kind of victory now. You know, back in the Old Testament story, it was really about uh, a sort of military conquest, wasn't it? It was about taking a city and the walls fall down and, and there they are, they capture the city. But I think, I think the gospel writers are telling us, look, the time is gone for that kind of thinking about what God does for us. You know, God's not building a, an empire. He's not interested in these military victories we often want. What he is interested in is what the kind of thing Jesus does. Those deeper problems we have in our, in our society, in our own lives, which actually no military might or muscle could ever solve, but which Jesus clearly can. So I think another thing the gospel writers are doing is, is saying to us, look, what, what's, what are the real problems in the world? You know, the kingdoms, the geography, the, the battles, they come and go. Some of them are very important. But actually, at the end of the day, the things that span all ages are the kind of suffering we see in this man, Bartimaeus. But Jesus is able to heal him. You know, maybe for you, in your life, there have been struggles, or there, maybe there are today. Maybe there are things that you're holding on to in your life that actually maybe you've tried to get help for them. Maybe you've tried to shake them off yourself or find some sort of peace, but you can't. Some things are so great a burden for us, only God can help us lift them. Now, I don't know what that will look like for you. You know, for Bartimaeus, it meant his eyes, his sight was restored. You know, sometimes God can do that. But even when God doesn't do that, I believe he's there to help us uh, rebuild our lives and, and find our strength day by day in who he, he is and, and what Jesus has done for us. So I, I want us to remember that as a church, as we think about our own lives, as we think about each other and our prayers for each other, and as we, above all, as we think about the world around us, we need to remember that Jesus is the new and better Joshua because he's doing an incredible work of God in our world today. But it's not only Bartimaeus in this story who needed changing. In some ways, Bartimaeus was far more switched on than than the rest of the people in the story, the disciples. Bartimaeus realized the importance of Jesus. He calls him son of David. Uh, I won't go into that today, but it was an old, old promise that God said to David, 
one of your descendants, descendants, one of your sons will be the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And that's why they call Jesus Son of David. De- Jesus is finally that descendant of King David who would save the world. Bartimaeus knew that. You know, he hadn't spent all that time with, the, with Jesus, the disciples has, but clearly God had shown him, opened his eyes already in another sense to understand that this Jesus of Nazareth was actually God's son, the saviour of the world. So although we think of Bartimaeus as the one in need, actually we realise often it's us who are in need, it's the disciples. The disciples' attitude is really quite sad when they arrive there and Bartimaeus is calling out, son of David, have mercy on me. And everyone in the crowd just tells him to shut up. You know, shush. Nobody wants to know about your problems, they were thinking. You know, for them, clearly they had a different idea than Jesus of what they were there for. You know, maybe they were just excited about getting to Jerusalem and, you know, maybe Jesus is going to kick the Romans out, you know, give them a good smack and teach them a lesson. Maybe that's why they weren't interested in this, this man, Bartimaeus, who needed help. You know, just be quiet, you know, stop bothering him. There can be many reasons why when we see others' difficulties, um, other people's difficulties, we, we, we almost try to avoid them. Sometimes it's just because we don't know what to do. You know, it's a bit scary when somebody comes and says, I've got this problem, and we're like, I don't know where to start. And maybe we kind of just brush it aside and say, oh, I'll pray for you or something, and then disappear and don't do anything. Um, you know, there may be many reasons why uh, we, we say shush to those in need. Maybe it makes us feel a bit guilty when we see people suffer. But, but doesn't Jesus challenge us here and challenge the crowd when he, he simply says to this man, no, no, he says, what do you want? What is it I can do for you? In fact, one of, one of the commentaries says this, that question that Jesus asked Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Someone suggested that is the most important question God ever asks us. What do you want me to do for you? And they suggest it's one of the questions we most frequently give wrong answers to. You know, when God, think about that question. If, if Jesus, like, like here with Bartimaeus, Jesus came to your, you now and said, look, what do you want me to do for you? What's important to you in your life now? What really matters? Do you think if you were honest in your response to Jesus, it would be a good answer? Now, what, am I, what am I really wanting today? Is that something actually Jesus would want to hear me say? Or maybe that question challenges me, like the disciples here, to rethink, well, actually, what does matter? What, what do I want from God? You know, do I want all these things? Do I want this power? Or do I want to see lives change, for example? That's the lesson they had to learn here, isn't it? And ultimately, of course, I guess one thing this passage therefore does is It's not just about Bartimaeus needing God's mercy. It's about all the disciples, all the crowd with him. They all need God's help to have all of their eyes opened in one way or another. Uh, One of the the, the great German reformer, Martin Luther, apparently one of the last things he ever wrote was this. This is true. We are beggars all. You know, in, in one way or another, all of us are that man. And we need to just look to Jesus and say, look, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Please help me, God. Don't be afraid to ask God to help you. And don't be afraid to ask him to show you and challenge you so that we will rethink what matters in our life and in the lives of those around us.
there's a really interesting contrast, actually. Um, there was a request uh, uh, before, just before this passage, if you look, if you've got your Bibles, uh, when actually Jesus asks the asks something similar to James and John. Well, James and John say in verse 35, they came to Jesus and said, "We want you to do for us whatever we ask." And what did they ask? They wanted to sit in the top spots when Jesus was king. But you see how it's linked up. You know, they say to Jesus, we want you to put us in the positions of power. That's what we want you to do for us. But when Jesus asked Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do? He says, I just need your mercy. I need that healing that you can give. 